Father, we're thankful that we can gather here today, and we just ask that you would uh, anoint the message, that you would cause us to be able to understand it, see it clearly, be able to apply it to our lives, and in turn, it would glorify you. And we thank you for it, and we rebuke any efforts of the devil to hinder that, and we receive it. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, this morning, I want to take a minute and reflect um, on Brother Jeff's message last Sunday. I thought it was a, uh, a really good message, and I, I listened to it again during the week online on our, our online uh, uh, service there, and it was really good again the second time, and, and I thought, you know what, I think that that is a message that, that God is speaking to his people. And Jeff talked about, if any man who is in Christ, he is a new creation. He talked about, he preached out of Romans 8, about our unity with Christ, how Christ was the image restorer, how that we were created in the Garden of Eden. Uh, man was created in the image of God, and, and he was created to have communion and fellowship with God. And sin came, and man fell. And he talked about how Jesus is that image restorer, and he talked about the Holy Spirit and the importance of it. And he talked about how that the walk that we're on is from now to where we're going. And he titled his message, The Spiritual Walk. And... You know, he said when he started, he talked about how it's a, such a big subject, he was going to take just a small part of it, just a sliver of it. And um, today, I'd like to ride his shirt tail just a little bit and, and bring another little sliver, if so to speak. I'd like for us to talk this morning. I'd like to title a message, A Closer Walk, because every generation has these questions about can I pass through this life as a Christian close to God? And then there's questions about how can that be? I want to read a few scriptures. I can go through them quickly and read them just to get us started. In James 4, in verse 8, it says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. What does that mean? What does it mean for us to draw near to God? And if I was to turn over to 2 Corinthians, in, verse, in chapter 6, in verse 16, a familiar verse, it says, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you. You shall be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. He's describing a fellowship or a relationship and a fellowship between, he described, he said, I will be their father. You will be my sons and daughters. So how is that that we're that close? How can we pass through this life that close? Or was that something for back in Bible days? Turn to another scripture in Psalms 91. It says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And over in 14 it says, Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I shall satisfy him and show him my salvation. And I don't know what these scriptures mean to you and what it makes you think about when you think about is that a personal, is that something I personally apply to my life? Can I have such a closeness that as I walk from now to the end of my life that I have a close walk, that I draw near to him, that he's like a father to me? I want us to think of 
of or consider two words when we read through the scriptures this morning. The first is mercy. Because when we talk about a closer walk and a relationship with God, we can't talk about that without first talking about mercy, that we did not deserve anything. And as we sang this morning, it says, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Have you ever thought about that we were completely lost? And then we are completely found. And without saying and putting right in there somewhere the word mercy, we can't ever begin to get close to God because we were separated, just like Jeff talked about, all the way back at the Garden of Eden. We were separated. But then came along mercy, and that gave us an opportunity. I want to read in Titus 3, because I know that sometimes we can, we can read these things, but they kind of go over our head because maybe we don't feel like we were really that bad, or we grew up as, as in, like in my case, a preacher's kid, where you had to act a certain way whether you wanted to or not. And so there, there begins to be this, this feeling as you get older that you are, a, are pretty good. There is some goodness in you. And when we read in, in Titus 3, in verse, starting verse 4, it says, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, it was not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. The second word after mercy I want us to consider this morning is choice. Do I, as I pass through this life, desiring a closer walk with God, do I have choices? Because I'll tell you, there are doctrines and there are, there are opinions and there are books written that will tell you that you have no choice. Folks, I, I agree that God is sovereign and He knew us before the foundations of the world. But when it comes to Walking from here to the end of our life, do we have choices and responsibilities to draw near? Because if we don't establish that very fundamental thought, then we will say, well, we're just living by chance. Are we living by, could be changed around and use the word faith and say, I'm just trusting that God will draw me. Or do we have a responsibility? Do we have choices that either bring us closer to God or that take us away from God? Because if we do have those choices, then we have to confront that. And those choices are not what we make. We think of choice. We think of salvation. But if our choice doesn't stop at salvation, then we have that responsibility. Because... I want to read through some scriptures. I want to go through the Bible, and I want us to look at just common, ordinary people that are in the Bible. They're God's people. People that he chose. People that he drew out of darkness. Hopefully, a similar story of all of us. But after the drawing out, after salvation, after deliverance, what does he say about the choices and the responsibility to stay close. It's a dangerous thing, folks, when we have a lot of knowledge and a lot of information and a lot of years and realize we're substituting that for closeness because that can happen. And I want us to read through the Bible and I want us to look at that. Choices are something that we have while we're here and then we don't. I talked to a friend of mine. He's, they gave him just a, a few days to live this past week. And I went up to the hospital and I sat there with him. Big, one of the strongest, toughest guys that you you ever known growing up. Big farmer. And he said, boy, hold my hand. He's laying in his bed. And he says, um, 
that I'm not going to make it. And I said, listen, one thing you have, you have a choice. Shortly, you will not have a choice. And we went through everything you could imagine. I didn't care if he was offended. I didn't care because this man is getting ready to leave this life. And then his ability to choose is over. Choices are what we have. The ability to choose is something that we have as we walk. And we desire a closer walk with God. I want to go all the way back into the early Old Testament and work our way forward. I want to go back to Deuteronomy 30. Now, before I read Deuteronomy 30, I probably should remind you of, of the story and kind of set the, set the stage for it somewhat. You remember that God's people were slaves in Egypt, and through a, a series of uh, miracles, he had set the people free. And as they came out of, of Egypt, you know, and they marched, all the hundreds of thousands of people, they marched out of Egypt, set free at last after generations of being slaves. And they came to the Red Sea, and the Egyptians changed their minds. And as the Egyptians pursued them, they cornered them and pinned them against the sea. And all the people raised up their voices, and they cried, saying, you know, it would have been better for us to have stayed. It's hopeless. We have no chance. Kind of sounds like our own lives. We had no chance. We were pinned against the own, our own seas. But God delivered them. And he opened up the sea. They traveled through. The Egyptians followed. You know the story. The sea came down on them and they were delivered. And when the people came to the other side... And they turned around and saw that their pursuers were no more. Remember, they celebrated. They gave God thanks. And they, they had a, a, a big feast of thanksgiving. They were delivered, just like us. And as they went through there, uh, they came to the decision then they have, after they've been delivered, just like us, we were the same. All we like sheep had gone astray. There was none righteous. No, not one. And then all of a sudden, we have this new life. And I'm going to tell you, coming to the Lord makes everything better. Because there is nothing before coming to the Lord that is worthwhile and good. So no matter how you look at it, no matter how you slice it, coming to Jesus makes your life better worthwhile, and anything that is good that you could put the word better with applies. Because without salvation, we have nothing. With salvation, we have everything. We have that. And as they left there, then they had to start making decisions, choices. If you think about it, up to that point, there was not this decision whether to be close or to remember they're God. But now they're walking. Okay, they go through the desert. They, they run out of water. He supplies water. They run out of food. Food comes. Falls out of the sky. They come to Mount Sinai. The mountain shook. Smoke. And the people said, we'll die. They saw a glimpse of the power of God. They had an angel that went before them. Defeated their enemies. They were led by smoke and by fire. A lot of victories, but there was also a lot of judgments. There was the golden calf where the people forgot. And then when they came to the end, they sent the spies into Canaan. They came back and said, they're too big. And the people sinned against God. And remember, he turned them back into the wilderness. And he said, only your young people wherever enter the promised land. Your old people will die in the wilderness. Remember that for 40 years. He sent them back. So that brings us up to our story and our scripture. They are now, after completing those years of judgment, they are about to enter into Canaan. I want to start reading in Deuteronomy 30. 
I want to start in verse 11. Because this is a very simple message that Moses gave these young people. They weren't necessarily that young anymore, but the ones who had, were permitted to go in. A very simple message to a simple people, just like us. In verse 11 it says, For this commandment, which I command you today, is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who will go over to the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. And that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go and possess. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God and you may obey his voice and that you may cling to him for he is your life and your length of your days you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. And then as they went forward from there, I'm going to turn over to Joshua, Joshua 1. And this is after Moses had died. See, Moses was not permitted to go into the land. And verse 1 says, After the death of Moses... Servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, you and all these people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness of this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, towards the going down of the sun. Now, folks, when you're describing your land, the boundary is where the going down of the sun. That's a long way. I thought that was an interesting boundary. Shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For this people... For to this people you shall divide an inheritance of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn aside, do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The question I would like to ask us all today is why is there in these scriptures so many warnings so many encouragements. Why is so much of God's word focused on telling those people in that time and for us to read now in our lives if it wasn't to cause us to make right choices? If we don't have choices, why is there so much about this? Why is there so many warnings? Why is there so much encouragement? Be strong and very courageous. He said it over and over and over because he's saying, choose life. He's saying, make the right choice. He's saying, cling to me. Keep these words in your heart. Meditate on them day and night. 
That's what he was saying. And it, it's about at this time that this message becomes a Monday morning message instead of just a good-sounding Sunday morning message because I want us to talk about how that we, in 2015, how do these principles and fundamentals apply to me and you today and tomorrow? How does it apply to us? Just because we may not think about this doesn't make it true. This could be a missing link in our relationship with God. This could be the missing link in our Christian life. I'm talking to moms that have five, six, seven children or two that are busy 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It never ends. They're going, 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 always thinking of tomorrow. And they say, how does this apply to me? How can I have a close walk? How can I draw near unto God today? How does this apply to me? Or the man that's, that's out here running and, and he thinks he's running his business and he looks up and his business is running him. And it goes on and on and on. And he never gets ahead because I'm going to tell you, life will sometimes deceive us into thinking that if we can just get through this series of things we have, then we will be able to do things different. But I'm going to tell you, when tomorrow gets here, there's a whole other series of things that we're going to deal with. It never changes. And it doesn't matter if right now, if you're 30 years old, and you're saying, well, but I'm going to slow down. It doesn't mean that whenever you get ready to slow down, there won't be a whole other list of things. It never, ever ends. So when that man says, how does this apply? That's what I want our message to be about this morning. I want to talk to the youth that are going to school, that are dealing with a lot of different things. You boys, you have to make choices. It's set before you on a regular basis, a choice, life or death. It's set right before us because that's the way that it was designed to be. But God has gave us all the opportunity. If we choose life, he said, I will be with you always. And the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That includes school. That includes when you're hanging around your friends and you feel insecure or you feel like that you want to do something you know is not right. You have a choice. You girls the same way. I feel like we have old mountain church going here. We got the girls and we got the boys. But it's the truth. It applies to the old. It applies to the young. The fundamental fact that we have choices after a person is saved, a person's walking through this life, they have choices. And if you can understand what I'm telling you right now, you're old enough to make those choices. Right on up to the one who's been here the longest. I want us to think about the importance of our choices. There is also the fact that we are all capable of drifting. We're all capable of starting to kind of let things slide. You know, a person that backslides doesn't backslide overnight. They just aren't quite as close in their walk. And after time goes by, they look up and realize they're a long way away. And then whenever they do leave, somebody says, well, that person left. That person had been leaving for a long time. And when we realize that at some degree, we may all have faced that since the day we were saved. There could have been some drifting in our life, and by God's mercy, he holds us back together. But whenever we speak and talk about these choices and we talk about these scriptures, we have to consider our own lives and we have to ask, are we drifting? Do you remember when you were the closest to the Lord? 
Can you think back, maybe right after salvation or uh, directly after that, you couldn't read enough, couldn't pray enough, and, and, and you were just real excited to be at church, praised, worshipped God. Maybe it was the old days. Maybe it's guys or, or, or men or women that have been here a long time. Could it have been the old days. Or maybe it's now. I talked to an old missionary one time, and he said, Paul, things have really changed in my relationship with God over the years. He said, now I rarely pray for 30 minutes. He said, but it's rarely 30 minutes that I don't pray. And I thought, that's pretty close. That's walking close to the Lord. We have weaknesses. We have the capable of drifting. We can become distracted. We can just plain old forget. We are capable of doing that. Just like every single generation that has gone before us and every one of them that's in this book. And if you read it, you'll find a history and a repeating of a people that came back and a people that drifted away. I want to tell you something this morning. Just like you're capable of drifting away, you're capable of coming back. God has mercy upon whom he has mercy. And he who started a good work in you will complete it. But I want us to think about ourselves and our choices and that we're capable of coming back and being close. I want us to look at four things, reasons that we drift away. And these are things that through history have proven themselves over and over again that we can drift away from the closeness that we had. The first, the first reason is forgetfulness. While we're here in Deuteronomy, I want to I read about an instance where God's people forgot or where he warned them about forgetting. In Deuteronomy 8, verse 7, it says, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks with brooks of water, fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, vines and fig trees. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks have multiplied and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, when, you li when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and from the house of bondage. I think it is important for us to guard against forgetting that he has brought us out of the land of bondage. If we forget that, then we begin to drift. If we forget that it is him and only him that makes anything in our life worth living, if we forget that, we are beginning to drift. A second thing that causes us to drift and we're no longer close and this is one of the biggest obstacles that any of us will ever face and that's pride. Pride is the opposite of humility because if you think about a closeness with God the first thing you have to admit is that you need Him and when you need Him and you are dependent upon Him every day and every hour that is the opposite of being proud because a pride says I need no one pride says when he looks around he says I think I'm I think I'm good enough remember in Luke 18 when the man stood and said I thank thee God that I'm not like this man if you think about that he could have been praying he could have been praying as far as he knew one of the greatest and most heartfelt prayers that you could ever hear. 
Oh, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like him. Pride. Pride will separate us from a close walk with the Lord. Isaiah 29, 13 says, People draw near to me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And the scribes and the Pharisees in the New Testament, let me read one to you. Let me read in Matthew 7. And pride sneaks in. Pride comes in quietly, sets up shop. Sometimes it's hard to admit it's there. But I'm going to tell you it's a killer. If it's allowed to go because before long it says, I do not need. And if anything about our Christian life is connected to the mindset, I do not need, then we have drifted. We're going the wrong direction. In Matthew 7, in verse 21, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many, many will say to me in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Could it be that we could go to a camp meeting or we could be at a, a big service and a man give an altar call and say, anybody want to be delivered from a demonic spirit? And they come up and he lays hands on them and in the name of Jesus and the spirit leaves. And what if we sat back there and said, God doesn't know that man. That's pretty heavy. It's not about our works. Does he know us? Because if we run around here, it is because he knows us that we are enabled to do his will. That is the key to it. But we cannot substitute knowing him. We cannot substitute a close walk and fill our lives with a lot of service because there is no substitute for walking close. And as I think about pride, I think about, of all the people I've seen over the years, preachers, preachers that have stayed in our house, they've eaten dinner at our table, known a lot of them. And I can, am old enough, I'm old enough to remember back some that have come through the church and have left, maybe weren't preachers, other people. There's one thing that is consistent with someone that wants to get up and be heard. They feel like they have something that you need. But it's a man that realizes he has nothing except what God allows him and gives him to share. That man is not eager to be heard. But a lot of times when a man wants to be heard... Pride is set up shop. It's in there. And that goes for all of us to guard against it. Whether or not we're coming in here and we feel like we have a prophecy, coming here a word of knowledge, whether we come in here and we have a word for healing, or we're coming in here to stand up here and preach, we have nothing to offer except a mouth and being willing to speak. And if we come in and we do anything else, pride has set up shop. And I'm going to tell you that it is a closeness with God that is going to do a work in us, that is going to show us a need. We're going to be able to hear his calling because we're close. And then he's going to lead us. And then we're going to be able to go out and produce fruit because of the closeness. I just warn everybody about allowing pride to come in. Anything in us, anything in us that, that comes and says, I have something, 
has to be put down. Because when I have something, I'm drifting away from my close walk with the Lord. We cannot allow ourselves to drift. A third thing, a third reason that we drift, and it's very obvious, it's the cares of this life. You think about being out in the wilderness and watching over your sheep or having two iPhones and, and four jobs or, or whatever we do nowadays. There's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of cares of this life. I do not believe that being busy is wrong because I can tell you that if you think if I wasn't busy, I would have this close relationship. You may be convicted right now this morning, and you may think, i got to quit being busy. If you had one field to plow, you can be consumed with it, and you can leave the Lord out of it. And it's the same way being busy. You can include him in everything you do before you make that phone call on your way into work. When you see somebody come in the door that wants to talk to you, that conversation, you can ask him to be with you. You can be close. You can include him. In all of our ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct our path. Everything we do, I remember plumbing. I don't remember very rarely I would do an inspection without first praying. If there is a leak, cause it not to be there. Just do that. I did that all the time. And then I'd say, thank you for not letting there be a leak. And I'll never know this side of eternity how many leaks there was on my inspections. There's no telling how many there was, but... But I want us to consider that to include God in all of our thoughts and to walk that close in everything, everything, everything. To figure a way at first to develop the good habits to remind yourself. If you drive a lot, the top of the hour, there's news comes on it. Every top of the hour, put your head down. Thank the Lord. Remind him of the things in your life. Thank him for his goodness. Thank him for salvation. Thank him for everything he's given us. Thank him for our children. Think of, you, you will be shocked how many things there are to pray about. There is something to pray about all the time. All the time. And what happens after we develop this habit of doing this? Our walk gets a little closer. And we learn all of a sudden we're getting close. As we talked about earlier, we'll never catch up. Like Hunter said, and I had to explain to my kids, and, and they still didn't understand it, how does tomorrow never get here? Because Hunter said tomorrow never comes, and he's right. My kids said, in the morning it'll be tomorrow. I said, well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. When you wake up, I'll say, well, about tomorrow. Anyhow, there is truth in that, <laughs> that uh, you never do catch up, folks. You really don't. There's always going to be something in our life that's going to be right there. Something that we are going to feel, that is my priority. What would happen if I didn't make it my priority? Do your work. Live and work hard. And love your family and your brother in the Lord and witness. Just include him in everything. Include him all the time. Include him in our prayers and our thoughts. Meditate on his word. Read. Because when you do, we're walking. We're walking closer. And the fourth thing that separates us, causes us to drift, is just plain old-fashioned sin. Sin in our life. The Bible says iniquity separates us from God. And the devil knows there is strength in being close to the Lord. And if he can get a sin in our life that's unconfessed, or unforsaken, then he, he can separate us. And I don't know how many times you've found, but if there's sin in your life, the devil will try to get you to forget that, not deal with it. Because if he can do that, then all of a sudden your life is going pretty good. Because you're not a threat. You're not a threat. Because us separated from God, we're not a threat. But when we become close, he knows we're a threat. We have to search our hearts. We have to see that. 
And the Bible also says, and I don't want to read all these, we're going to run out of time, but lawlessness will abound and the love of many will grow cold. We talk about this relationship, this closeness with the Lord. Compare it somewhat to other relationships. You talk to someone, we'll pray to the Lord. You listen, read, think, meditate. Relationship can be defined as, as, or it can be described as something that needs time. We have to put time in. We have to put time. It's not that we can't be doing anything else. We just have to develop that. To relate to something is to know. Like I said earlier, there is no substitute for that. We can go out here. We can say, I don't feel like the Lord is close. What can I do today? There's nothing to substitute drawing close. We can go out here and say, well, I'm, I'll, I'll be part of the church. But see, being part of the church doesn't give you a relationship with God. It's because of your relationship with God that you want to be part of the church. You desire that. You want to be part of it. And through that relationship, he'll lead and guide us. All right, I want to look at four things, four ways to draw closer. And there's so many of these, but let's just look at some quickly. The first way is, is simple, to repent. If you feel like you've gotten away, search your heart. Do you think you have a secret that God doesn't know? When you go before the Lord, do you think that there's something you've been able to successfully hide? Not even close. If we feel like we have drifted, we have to search our heart. Search every bit of it. And be honest about it. And repent. Confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us. Resist the devil, and he'll flee. And let me tell you, if there's sin in your life that you cannot get away from, that keeps coming back, I don't care if it's when you're alone in front of your computer, or if it's an attitude that you have, or if it's a, an addiction, every time there's a spirit present, an evil spirit, you rebuke that spirit. Every time that thought comes to your mind, rebuke that spirit. Because you resist the devil and he'll flee. You have power. And you continue to live close and to walk close. You'll have the victory over sin in your life. Sin does not have dominion over us, folks. It is not that we are to live under the dominion of sin. And no matter how many times we fail, we can all of a sudden realize, devil, you're not going to win again. And speak to that spirit and rebuke it because the powers of darkness are real. They are real. And I believe there are powers of darkness that have nothing else to do except to try to tempt and keep us in a sinful situation because if they do, they have succeeded in keeping us from being close. I believe it is that important. A second thing to draw closer is to return with our heart and our affections. Just spend time, folks. It's, it's not complicated. God will draw you. How many of you all know of nights when you're in bed or, or you wake up in the night and you're thinking of a scripture or there's something on your mind that's spiritual or the first thought in the morning is prayer or during the day, you're, you turn on the radio, and there is just right at that moment, there's something that you heard in a song or in something said. Or when you pick up your Bible, and you're still half asleep, and you read it, and there it is. That's God drawing us. That's God saying, we can be closer. Folks, we have to be able to recognize him drawing us, and we have to be able to put our affections there. We have to. It's a choice. These things are choices. And by his mercy, we have these choices. Third thing is prayer. Take it to the Lord, everything. Turn to Philippians 4.
when we think about our work, our conversations, our concerns, all the things that weigh on your mind today, and I'm not making light of them, they're big deals. Because if you add them all up, they can create this one little word that's become one of the deadliest things in our society. Stress. Stress is not something that is produced from a close walk with the Lord. Stress does not get to have a stranglehold on someone that has a close walk with the Lord. It has to be able to be able to be dealt with. Our work, our conversation, our concerns. Philippians 4, in verse 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplications, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which shall surpass all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ. In all of our praying, to draw closer to the Lord, remember to be thankful, to have thankfulness right on the tip of your tongue all of the time. The fourth thing, way to draw closer, is just to meditate and to think and to read and to listen, all the things we do with our minds. All the things we do with our minds because we choose what we're going to put into our minds, what influences it is. Or, in some cases, where we just have nothing going in there, spiritual, and we begin to drift. But if you want to draw closer, we have to put things in there that are, we're going to meditate on and think on. And, and you can go right down to verse 8. It says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, think on these things or meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Just gauge this week or, or today or whenever it is when you think about closeness with the Lord, what goes into your mind? The music, what we read. Are we putting things in there that are drawing us closer to the Lord? Are they all things that could be praiseworthy that we're thinking on? And lastly, as we finish... I want to look at four results of a closer walk. What comes, what either comes or potentially could come as we're capable of returning to a closer walk, what things would come from our life if we draw near to the Lord? I just picked four. There's a lot. The first one is clean hands. Folks, it's hard for sin to reign in a person's life if they're walking close to the Lord. He can't get in there because you're talking about every hour I need thee, every hour in communion, all the time. We are acknowledging him in all of our ways. Folks, whom the Son sets free is free indeed, and he also can stay free. He does not have to go up and back down and be bound. That's not the Christian life. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We have a choice about staying free. And with clean hands, we will become useful vessels. How many times do people wonder why that God is not using them? They're seeking all these opportunities to go and do all these things, which there's nothing wrong with that. But it seems like something's missing in it. Could it be their hands aren't clean? That goes for everybody that fills this pulpit. That goes for everyone that stands up here and leads us in singing. That goes for every man that wants to be the head of his house. That goes for every mother pouring her life into her kids. We've got to have clean hands. And one of the results of walking close to the Lord will be clean hands. The second result of a closer walk with the Lord would be we will be spiritually and eternally minded. Think about what kind of husbands would we be 
if we were spiritually and eternally minded or wise or parents? How would we raise our kids if in our mind, in this closer walk with the Lord, we're constantly reminded of those things spiritual, those things eternal? When something comes up in our life, do you think that will affect how we react? If we are close to the Lord and we have a, our minds have been renewed and they are a spiritual mind, eternity-minded, every single way we react to the people we love will be different. It doesn't happen overnight. Neither does this walk just last for a day. It takes time. But when we develop a closeness, not only do we have clean hands, but we react in a way that is different. And a lot of the issues in our life will be taken care of. Because you take our children, for instance, a lot of times we don't know how to respond. Then we ask ourselves, what are we trying to produce? What are we wanting here? Well, that's a drastically different answer if it's a carnal mind or a spiritual mind. And in the short amount of time that we have to raise them, can we afford not to walk close to the Lord as a father and as a parent? We cannot. Because whenever we see that, and the influence of our close walk with the Lord comes, they see it, and it prepares them to be able to, whenever mercy knocks on their door, and they respond, they understand that. And then they can understand the importance of a walk close to the Lord. Folks, there is a lot about this walking close. I hope you all see this. I hope this morning this message is in picture form to where you can really see it. Because this closeness, there is no substitute for this. And it affects every part of our life. What about how that we relate to our friends or our neighbors? How would our neighbors see us react and respond and be if we were walking close. I think it can be a missing link in a Christian's life. And it can eat up years if we don't get this. The results of a closer walk. The third thing, we will be strengthened and we will be prepared for whatever life may have. When we as a branch grafted into the vine, we become strong. And the closer that branch is, and the longer it's there, the bigger it gets, the stronger it gets, the more connected it gets, and we become more prepared for things that could come in our lives. Whether that's the, the work of ministry, or it could just be that we will be doers of the Word. We need strength. We need to be prepared to be doers. And it talks about that in James 1, being doers of the word. Abiding in the vine makes us strong. And when trials and temptations come, and they will, every day. Folks, we're going to, all those who live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. That doesn't mean self-inflicted suffering. That just means that we will go through this life. We will have to face trials. And we will have to face temptations. Folks, I believe in victory in the Lord. I believe in the abundant life. I believe he came. He said, all you that are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. I believe in abundant life. I believe in prosperity. I believe in all of these promises. And I don't want us to ever leave that out. I don't want us to listen for some different way of listening or hearing or some other message and forget that there is victory in Jesus. Victory. Victory abiding in the vine. There is victory. There is strength in that. There is nothing that the devil can do. He cannot overthrow us abiding in the vine. We have that victory. We have that promise. Fourthly, lastly, results of a closer walk enables us to fulfill our purpose. Whether it's in the church, or it's to the world, or it is developing the gift that is within us. You know, in Timothy it talks about neglect not the gift that was given by prophecy and the laying on of hands. Well, it's not the man who prophesied. 
It's not the man that laid on the hands. That's not the source of the gift. If you read that and realize the source of the gift is the Lord, the prophecy and the laying on of hands, that was just the way that you received. But the Lord gave the gift. And that means that we have a gift. Certain ones of us have different gifts, but we all have a gift. A close walk with the Lord enables us to use that gift. It keeps there from being a hindrance in our life because if we don't use our gift, then we can't bear fruit. And if we don't bear fruit, we don't glorify God. And we need that closeness. If we are close to the Lord and we are in communion, and we have clean hands, and we are putting Him and acknowledging Him in all that we do, and we are walking through this life with a closer walk, we'll hear Him call us to fulfill our purpose. He will open our eyes to see the need and what we're going to do. We will be led. Our life does not have to be filled with uncertainties. We don't have to just go at things with reckless abandon. We can be go about things being led by the Holy Spirit. We can do that as we go forward to fulfill our purpose. We can be close and we can walk with Him and so that we don't miss the opportunity to fulfill our purpose. And then He said He will equip us. Turn to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 and verse 11, it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What if the entire church, everybody in this room, what if we returned and had a close walk with the Lord? What would that do to churches? I'll tell you what it would do. It would cause unity. Because the reason, anytime there's not unity, it's because they are not, the people are not of the same spirit. And if everyone is of the same spirit, we have unity. And that's happened all through generations, over and over again. Anytime there's conflict in a church, it's because there's a different spirit. The people don't have that unity. But I believe in it. I believe in unity. I believe in peace, prosperity. I believe in abundant life. I want us to read in Hebrews as we close. Hebrews 10. I want us to think about our lives. I want us to think about our walk from here to eternity. I want us to think about a closer walk. Let's start in verse 19. It says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Let that be at the end of our service, as I read that second, that 23rd verse again, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us salvation. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for allowing us to, to be partakers, to be grafted in, to the vine. We ask you, God, that you would show us the way that we can live and make right choices and we can draw closer to you. 
and that we can glorify you with our lives. We thank you for being merciful. We thank you for your mercy that endures forever. Thank you for your goodness upon us, upon this church. We ask you to bless us in the days to come. That all that we do would bring glory to you. Thank you, God, for it in Jesus' name. Amen.